Today is part three in this series, Why Won't the Kids Listen? There are many factors that influence a child's ability to do as told. In this part three, we shall unpack some more of those reasons. Today, we focus on the child that struggles to process language. Whether you know what language processing is or not, grab your coffee and that notebook you already started writing in two episodes ago. Let's add to your knowledge. Like episode 28 and 29, you will have something to explore with your child when we're done today. So let's get learning on how language processing affects why the kids don't listen. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children or wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated because you wish your kids could communicate their wants and needs more clearly instead of whining or yelling? Are you plagued by the feeling that you cannot meet all the needs in your family? Hey parents, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. It is possible to build strong family relationships and have boundaries that benefit kids. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I'm a mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you'll find solutions to get kids to listen better and build family connection, to feel confident in managing difficult behaviors, and help your kids build more language of their own. So if you are ready to communicate in ways that build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way of been parenting so that you can become the parent you want to be. As you listen today to the ideas presented, some of you will find all you need to make the difference you wish for your kiddos. And that is so great, and I'm so glad for that. However, some of you will need to know more and have bigger struggles and concerns with your children. You need more specific help. And if this is you, email me at hello at thelanguageofplay.com and we can book a call to discuss ways you can work with me directly. And I forgot to remind you in the last episode that this month of March, I have huge discounts for the first three people that sign up to work together. Now, before we begin... I have a review to read from Betsy Crooney. She titles it so helpful. She says, I have three grandsons and sometimes it's very hard for me to communicate. The tips and strategies in this podcast have been so helpful for me. I highly recommend. Thank you, Betsy, for your review. And I'm so glad it's helpful. Some kids really struggle with language processing. As a speech pathologist, we have lots of different strategies to help with this. And I mean books of strategies that we use to help our children who struggle with communication of language. Struggling to understand language is not an indication of intelligence. Even though kiddos with lower IQ scores often will struggle with comprehension, by itself, difficulty in processing is not a measure or indicator of intelligence. Also, when kids don't process well, they can appear as if they are refusing to comply. But that is not true either. Noncompliance for this reason is not an indicator of a behavior issue. So what is it? And how do you parent it? It is so confusing sometimes. Today we're going to continue this series. Why won't those kids listen? And in this episode, we'll focus on how difficulty with processing impacts your child's ability to follow what you say. When we began the series two episodes ago, first we talked about attention and it was appropriate for all kids. Then we talked about processing information, which was also true for all kids. 
And I've linked those episodes in the show notes below. And go ahead and listen to those because that is the basis for understanding what you do and what is going on. Even for kiddos where this isn't just so simple, where they have more struggles. Today we're going to talk about processing when it's not so easy for some kids. One of the students that came into my office, who I'll call Bob to hide his identity, Bob was like many of the students that came in. He wasn't hearing all of the sounds in the words. He was not hearing all the words in the sentences. So therefore, he worked really hard to make meaning from what it is that he heard. Now, it wasn't a hearing problem. It's not an intelligence problem. It's not a behavior problem. He hears fine, but he wasn't understanding fine. His ears could hear, but he wasn't able to sort and process that information. Now, if you give the information to him differently than through his ears, you could see that his intelligence was just fine. And he had a very soft heart. He wanted to do what he was told, but he simply was not hearing all the sounds in the words. And he was not hearing all the words in the sentences. So it was hard to make meaning. So if I give a comparison what this might be more like, this might be more like a part of the brain that is weaker and needs to be exercised to strengthen it. So as I worked with Bob, I began to notice what the pattern of mistakes were in the exercises we did. By identifying the patterns, I was able to figure out what exercises he needed to do more of. And these are three very common patterns. After describing the patterns to you, I will give you strategies you can use as exercises to help your kiddo if you see the same or similar patterns. If this isn't pertinent to your child, The activities, however, are still great brain exercises. So grab that notebook and pen if you haven't done it already. And this is where to pause to get it. I hope you find the answers you are needing. Please know that you might have completely different patterns. Or maybe you have never identified what the pattern is. Hopefully my descriptions will help you get ideas for noticing what is going on for your kiddo. The first pattern that I saw in Bob was that he typically followed one direction at a time. Even if I gave three directions in a series, he was able to do one at a time. The directions would be things like color the ball, sit on the floor, and point to the door. You notice these directions are far from what would be a routine knowledge. And I did that intentionally because I wanted to be able to separate what he was doing by routine because he knew from routine and what it is that he was doing by listening. So if I had counted the directions of put a sticker on your card, get your folder, and sit at the table, it could appear that he was processing three-step informations. But the tricky truth is that he did those things every time he arrived at my room, and so his body moved through it as if I said those directions. It simply helped him to remember what he had practiced as a routine already. The instructions color the ball, sit on the floor, and point to the door are examples of instructions that are unexpected. And this means the child is required to process what he hears in order to follow through. This is one way that you can tell whether or not they're actually listening and paying attention to what it is that you're saying and able to process that information. The second pattern that I saw was that Bob readily agreed and started moving in the right direction, but then forgot what he was doing. I needed to figure out if this is memory, or attention, or distractibility, or language processing. 
In Bob's case, this was language processing. As he thought about what he was instructed to do, the directions seemed to evaporate from his mind. I got the impression it was like when I was having a dream, and I tried to remember even as I'm remembering the dream disappears into a faint memory and then it's gone. That was the impression I got when I worked with him. We needed to figure out how it is that I could help him retain the information that he was told. The third pattern that Bob showed was that when I asked him to repeat instructions, he was only able to repeat the last thing I said. So if I gave him instructions, even familiar instructions, his ability to repeat what it was that I said to do in the order that I said to do it would come out muddled. He might say the first thing second, or he might leave out some words. Or if I asked him to repeat a whole sentence, he could sometimes repeat the concept, but he couldn't necessarily repeat the whole sentence. Some kids really struggle with processing language. And as a speech pathologist, we have lots of strategies to help these kiddos learn to comprehend better. It is important to note that when your child consistently makes these kind of processing mistakes, that you are patient and you work on these things with your child. This is the time that you might want to get some advice from a speech pathologist. It is the time that you might want to look into, can they actually hear? Do you have some hearing issues? Or maybe you do have some intelligence issues. Or maybe you do have other issues to consider. But whether or not you have these other considerations, the strategies that I'm going to introduce today are great brain exercises for all kiddos. Uh, make note, because all kiddos will benefit. For the first one, for the child that consistently does the same part of the instruction, what you want to do is, one, orient him to the fact that you are going to tell him two, three things to do. And two, you're going to use movement to help him remember. So orient him and use movement. This could be having him put up his first finger while saying the first thing to do is whatever. And then the second thing to do is whatever. So you have him put up his index finger, copying you. You say, first, I want you to brush your teeth. And then put up your second finger and you say, then I want you to wash your hands. Ask him to touch the first finger. What is this one? And so you touch his first finger, and then he says, brush his teeth. And you touch the second finger, and he says, wash his hands. Or whatever those instructions are that you can give. It can be anything. Set the table, put your shoes on, whatever. But give him an orientation to the amount of steps. And use a movement of some sort that help him remember what it is that he's supposed to do, you're going to ask him to do it in the order that you give it to him. You can add to this movement indicating the direction of the movement associated with the task. For example, if you want your child to put his cup in the sink and then get a book, you tell him, Bobby, I have two things for you to do. Ready? And he looks at you. You've got his attention. You put up your first finger and you say, put your cup in the sink and he copies you with the first finger, and he says, put his cup in the sink. But now you're going to even add a motion towards the direction of the sink. And if you're standing at the sink, it's tempting to let him just put his cup in the sink at that moment, but that's not helping him practice language processing. It's helping him get the task done. 
So if we're working on language processing, you can still stand right next to the sink and right next to the book. But he's going to practice doing them in the order that you say, and then you can get progressively farther away. So you'll say to him with that first finger, and a gesture, a big point with a full arm towards the sink, put your cup in the sink. And then you're going to say, take that second finger and you're going to lift it up and you're going to say, and touch that finger for him and say, and get a book. And then take that second finger, now he's got two fingers up, and you're going to take his arm and put it out towards the direction, maybe the opposite room, whatever, where he's going to find the book that he's getting. So he can repeat it then. He holds his first finger up, points towards the sink, speaks the word, put your cup in the sink, and then takes his arm back, puts the second finger up, says, I get the book, as he puts his arm towards the direction where the book is, and then you say, good job, do it. And then you stop talking. You completely stop talking. This allows your child to have a visualization, to build it in his imagination, the direction that he's going. It helps him to have movement, which, you know, uh, research shows enhances memory. And it gives him the words that he's saying to carry it out. And you're requiring the same order of events. So he's carrying out the order of events that he has spoken. All of these things are like nourishment to be able to help that processing system be able to do the tasks that were said. It's like it bolsters up the strength of that auditory or language processing. So it's processing the information that comes in through his ears. We can also say auditory processing. Now, I want to say that this strategy that combines all the parts, orientation and using movement and repeating and carrying out in the right order. I have seen this strategy be successful for a nine-year-old with a diagnosed auditory processing disorder being successful in a five-step non-routine. It was amazing. So pro tip here, never start at five steps. You always work up. So if you see a child struggle with three, you start with two steps. If you see your child is struggling with two steps, you start with one step. And if you see your child is struggling with one step, you shorten that direction. And if that is hard, you join them side by side, hand over hand, pairing the words with the actions until they understand that the words that they're hearing match the actions of your hands. And then as they do, then you work your way back up. Now, I hope that made sense. If it didn't, absolutely write me. I am happy to clarify. Let's look at the second pattern. This is for the child that agrees readily and walks away and forgets immediately and doesn't do the direction. Since you might be dealing with memory or attention or distractibility or language processing, build successes for all these possibilities. Get your child's attention first. And for more information on getting attention, listen to episode 28. Work with the environment. Are there distractions present in the environment that matter to your child, such as, oh, they see their phone that's pinging. Can you change their environment to help them have less distractions? Create an environment that works for you, parents. It makes a big difference. And that is also touched on in episode 28, but not expanded on. For memory and language processing, you can work on these together. Consider the age of your child. Is the amount and type 
of ask your giving appropriate for what he has shown to be capable of in the past. Can you use, and here's what you write down, a tangible object? That would be something he can hold. It's a physical reminder of what's to be done. Maybe your child is a bit older and you can make a written list of the tasks and he hangs on to that list. Maybe you can give pictures of the task and he can check those pictures or he can hold those pictures. Maybe you can exchange those pictures for the tasks being done. Maybe you can give an object that is part of the task, such as a ladle um, will represent unloading the dishwasher or repeating the words unload the dishwasher as you pass them the ladle. You can also hand your child one Lego and say, go to your room and put your Legos away. And as he holds that Lego, it will remind him all the way on the walk to his bedroom what it is that he's doing. And then, of course, you will want to follow him into the room to see what he's actually doing and help him remember. So if memory is a component, your tip here is to use a tangible object. That means something he can hold that will be a representation of the task he's doing. For the third pattern, for the child who is unable to repeat directions that you give them before doing them, Think about pairing what they hear with the pictures to be really helpful. But I know it's not always realistic to have pictures on hand. So in this case, you say the part you want your child to do. I'm going to give you a way to do a memory task that helps your child to follow through by saying it again and again. Now this becomes more work for you, but if you follow this pattern of word repetition, it works pretty amazingly. So you say, hey, Bobby, and here's a classroom example, but of course you can use any kind of example. You say to your child, open your book to page 23, get out your notebook and sharpen your pencil. Now those are three things and your child might not be able to repeat that whole sentence. If your child can't repeat the sentence, we're going to break it down. And this kind of memory work is useful if they're memorizing Bible verses, if they're memorizing formulas and math, whatever it is. You start with the very end and you work your way forward. You say, Bobby, say, I sharpen my pencil. And Bobby says, I sharpen my pencil. Now you say, my notebook and I sharpen my pencil. My notebook and I sharpen my pencil. Add a little bit more, parent. I get my notebook and sharpen my pencil. I get my notebook and sharpen my pencil. Last, you say, I open to page 23, I get my notebook, I sharpen my pencil. Now you noticed the pause that I gave between each direction. Those are processing pauses. Those things help your memory because you are repeating them, in, or your child is repeating them inside his mind what it is that you said in chunks. And when you chunk it out and you work backwards to front, then you have more feeling of success for your child. And the feeling of success is going to drive your child forward to do more. And that is super helpful. So I hope that made sense for you. And I want you to know there are many, many different patterns. And there are books of strategies that we can use. But sometimes that can be really overwhelming. And we just want a few that are specific to the issues with our children. And I am simply picking a few 
common issues to discuss. If you're listening and you notice that you have different patterns with your child, don't doubt yourself. If you wonder about processing, treat it as if it's processing. Don't treat it like a behavior issue. Because when your child feels believed in and you work on discovering with them, their brain calms and they will be able to listen to you better because you've erased that feeling of I'm bad from them. And the more they have confidence that you are on their team and helping them get through their difficulties, they work hard to be able to do what it is that you want them to do. So if you are listening and you think, that doesn't quite match my child, I still have a question, jot it down and email me at helloatthelanguageofplay.com. I would be happy to maybe make an episode out of it or just answer you directly. So to wrap it up today, we had three patterns that we looked at in auditory processing, or we call it language processing. One pattern was when your child consistently does the same part of the instruction. Orient him to the number of directions you have, use movement, have him repeat the direction, and have him perform it in the order it was spoken. The second pattern, for the child who agrees, walks away, forgetting immediately, and doesn't do the direction. For those kiddos, use a tangible object that represents the task. And three, for the child who is unable to repeat directions that you give them before doing them. This one is where mom and dad, you think, go slow, build, build length, build ability. It takes time and you need patience. Tear apart what their sentence is, doing the last part, adding a few words, repeating the last part, add a few more words to that, repeating the end, and build going forward to the beginning. So, thank you for joining me today. I sure hope that those of you that have some struggles with processing auditory information with your kiddos, uh, that you can find some strategies to do. Remember, mamas, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in a way their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me through the email found below.